welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Right, we're going to be talking about communication today. How do we communicate with each other? Exactly, no judgmentalism or um, whatever. So, but before we start, I have a little exercise for you to do, and I need you to get into pairs, and I might ask um, Rebecca if she wouldn't like one. Just can we borrow you for this little exercise? I need you in pairs. Right, so if you can get into twos, please. I'll be with Rebecca only. I want you to decide which one of you is going to be the leader. Yeah? And the one that's going to be the person who's being led. Okay. So I will give you that then. No. Right. You must not show the person you're leading. Okay. You need to take that though. <laughs> Who's leading? Oh, it's it's the German. German church. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't worry about that. It's just <laughs> I was just somewhere I went once. Okay. And what I want you to do is the person who is the leader, I want you to describe the picture to the person who is not the leader. And that person is going to draw what you describe. But you cannot show them the picture. And you cannot tell them what's on the picture. You just have to describe it. So say you, say you had a picture of an apple, you cannot say you need to draw an apple, right? You've got to describe it to them, okay? But you're not allowed to say there is a circle? Yes, yeah. So you, you're basically describing to the person you're leading what they've got to draw, okay? So I'm going to pause this while you do it. Can we... Okay, we'll, we'll leave it there. I know. So can we compare? How, how did you do with the pictures? Actually, yeah. oh, wow. it's a one-on-one. It's like a photo. Let's see that. That, yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's wow. good. Let's see you. you. <laughs> very good. That's pretty good. Very, very impressive. But how how did you find that? I think that the purpose of that little exercise is just to show that actually sometimes when you're trying to explain something to someone, 
like that, that rectangle, for example, that's a really good example. They interpret it and they think they've heard what you've just said, but not. But they've got it wrong. And so, so communication is really important. And as leaders, it's really good to to have that in mind when you're giving instructions and explaining. Yeah, yeah. No, I pressed the button. Very impressed. Um, explaining what you need to do and when you need to do, it, and then ask for feedback. So. Do you understand what I've just said? And they'll say, yeah, 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 yeah. So then you, if, you're, if it's something like important, like you need to draw the house correctly, then you can say, so what is it that you just think I've just said? And you can like get feedback from them. And, and so communication is helpful and clear and precise. And you know that that person's understood what you've said because often so many conflicts can take place because you've explained something they've said yes I understand then they go away and do something completely different that winds you up as a leader why did you do that well you told me to do it no it didn't yes you did yeah no 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 you said to do this and I'm like no it didn't you said whereas if you've communicated in the beginning and you've made sure I mean Andy's drawing is He's obviously an artist and I'm not, but, but it's not accurate in that it's not the same size, mm-hmm. right? So, so he thought he understood. He thought, he, you know, when he talked about, you obviously guessed what, that it was a train and you put the steam in. Yes? Andy, you guessed it was a train, did you? Yeah. So you put your own steam in? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, but look at the difference between your steam and the correct steam. Yeah, it's, it's like one big piece of steam, whereas mine is some fluffy clouds. Yeah. <laughs> so, so although communication worked, it yeah. didn't quite work. And now, if that was something that needed to be done in a particular specific way, yeah. it would have been, oh, you didn't do it how I asked. Or you might not have asked. Or you might not. Exactly, this is what I'm saying. Communication. So, the communication. Did you say draw steam? Yeah. Okay, but did you describe the steam? No, we were just talking about it. We were talking about describing what the subject of the thing is. More general, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So, anyway, for those on listening, um, Jonas, Jonas was describing a train to Andy. Nearly called you Sam for some random reason. So communication. Before we dive into um, some some of the the communication that we we can get from the Bible, I just want to talk about um, a well, it, it's a called transaction analysis and it's psychology, right? So forgive me because it's not taken out of the out of the Bible, but it's really, really helpful tool when it comes to communicating with others. And I wanted to share that with you and then we'll, we'll dive into um, how Paul communicated. Sorry. Me and Ben are found this game and it's called Disposable Bomb. And I'm on a laptop and he has to read out instructions to me to diffuse this bomb. And like, obviously if we get it wrong, it blows up, but it's really good because it tests your communication. 
silhouette on edge. <laughs> yeah. So if your life depended on it, you better communicate well. Yeah. Okay. So, so transaction analysis was um, created by a guy called Eric Byrne, or thought up by a guy called Eric Byrne, and it's a really old theory, and it's from the 1950s. And when I was training as a social worker, um, we were taught this when we went through the, the syllable of communication and how to communicate. Um, and I've found it quite helpful on a number of occasions. Transactional analysis. Don't know why he decided to call it that, but, but it, it's like the transaction between two people when they're, when they're talking and communicating. And what he says is that it's like the parent, you, when you're communicating, you, you're either communicating like a parent, like a child, or like an adult. So whenever you are communicating something to someone, you're using one of those three at any given time. So you, you're either communicating like a parent to someone, or you're com communicating like a child to someone, or you're communicating like an adult to someone. So if you're communicating like a child to someone, you're communicating like um, in a sort of a nurturing way, or, or parents though can also be controlling way, or judgmental and opinionated. So you come across and you're using that sort of, you, you're speaking from up here and you're speaking down to the person. If you're speaking like a child, you, you're like speaking, a child's often like quite free and emotional, um, but also in a vulnerable way. Um, and so you, you're kind of speaking like a child up to the person that you're talking to. And if you're an adult, you're speaking in a sort of very um, balanced, non-emotional way, as in straight way. Okay, now, if, I'm, if I come to you, so I'm having a conversation with you about something. So something's going on and I need to communicate to you something. If I'm a little bit upset with you and I come to you in a like a parent, and I start talking in a judgmental and an opinionated way. I speak to you like that. What tends to happen is the person that you're speaking to has a reaction on the inside, and they often respond in a childlike, in a child communication manner. Right, so if I come at you and let's say, um, Let's try and pick a random, say, say it's your turn to do the dishes, but you're watching TV and I want the dish. I walk into the kitchen and the dishes are still not done. And it's like your turn, so I come to you to tell you the dishes haven't been done. Right. There are three ways that I can do that. I can either come to you like a parent and start talking down at you in a judgmental way. 
this is your turn, your turn to do the dishes, you better get up now off your backside and get in there and do the dishes. And I'm I've been judgmental, you know, you, you're, just, you're just so lazy and you need to get up now and go and do it. Go on, quick, come on, come on, come on, it's your turn, right? I am more likely to receive back from you a childish, emotional, annoyed reaction, which is likely then to end up in some sort of argument, right? If I walk into the kitchen... And I see the dishes, I'm just like, and then I come at you in an emotional, um, moaning and whining way. Do you know, it's your turn to do the dishes and you never do the dishes and da 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 You know, like, and I'm sort of childish at you. I'm likely to stir in you an adult, uh, a parent response and you're going to speak back down at me. And again, we're going to end up in some sort of argument. You following me? If I could, if, so I walk into the kitchen, dishes haven't been done. I come out, and but I think carefully about how I'm going to ask you to do the dishes, and I very calmly and rationally negotiate with you about the dishes. So the dishes haven't been done. Is there a reason why you haven't done the dishes? What's happening? You know, how come you didn't do them? It, you know, and then you might share this, you know, it's, it's really winding me up a bit, feeling a bit, you know, unhappy about this because I, um, there's no cups left. I can't make myself a cup of coffee. Um, can you go and do the dishes? If, if I do that in a much more calm, adult way, I'm more likely to get a calm, adult response back from you. And then we negotiate when you're going to go do the dishes. Yeah, yeah. Is this, could, could you, um, because if you communicate with younger people, or if you communicate with children, you, don't you automatically end up with some sort of Yes, you can do. I mean, obviously, little children, you, you have to take some sort of parental, you know, yeah. um, control over them. But as they sort of become older and get old enough to then start negotiating, you can negotiate with them in a calm, controlled, relaxed, adult way. Now, obviously, there are occasions when you need to come in that parental, like, you know, someone falls over and then, or someone's crying and they need some nurture. Then you, you can come in with that sort of parental, are you all right? Do you need a, can I get you anything? Do you need a hug? Do you, yeah. And there are occasions when we communicate like children, when we're having fun. We're playing a game or we're messing around or we're, you know, so, so we all have the ability to speak in either of those three ways. Like a child, like an adult, and like a parent at any time. And when, what, what is a good idea, particularly if you think there's a potential conflict about to arise over what you've got to say, it's always good to just step back before you jump into that conversation 
calm yourself down, especially if you're feeling really wound up and angry. Take a deep breath. Think to yourself, let me approach this in an adult way. How can I say this without being judgmental? How can I say this without winding them up? How can I say this without sounding like I'm coming from a childish perspective? And then you go into the conversation calm, relaxed, and you're more likely to get a calm, relaxed response. Not all the time, but often you can do. If someone comes to you um, and they're really angry at you and they're emotional and they're having a go at you, which if you're going to go into any form of leadership, you're going to get that from time to time because as leaders, people tend to direct their stuff at you. So if you're a leader, you're going to get it. Okay, you can use this little tool to to keep calm. You know, in the back of your head, you can think, right, I don't need to respond to what's going on in the inside of me right now. So, so you, I, you know, I can remember a particular time when someone was having a go at me. Um, she was upset with something I'd done uh, or said, and, and she'd come at me, but come at me like a child. And I could feel inside my parent rising up, and I just wanted to tell her why she was wrong. And I, you know, all the, the negative thoughts about her were flooding to the front of my mind. And I could have cut, so easily cut her down, like parent to child, and just gone for it. But that had have hurt her. That would have exploded the conversation into a massive argument. It could have blown up because I was so angry inside. The emotions were all over the place. But I had this in the back of my head and I'm like, okay, calm down. So she's like going for it. And in my, in my head, I'm going, just keep calm, keep calm, keep calm. And I just said to her, okay, why don't you sit down? Let's talk about this. And I just then calmly spoke to her in a, in a very non-emotional, very, you know, very, and it, she carried on for a while with her emotion and then, and then slowly she calmed down. And I was able then to draw the adult side of her out of her. And then after a little while, we ended up actually being able to have a calm, rational conversation and, and come up to a conclusion of the thing that had upset her. Does, does that make sense? That took, uh-oh, you couldn't have done that if you tried. <laughs> Do you need a tissue or anything? You all right? <laughs> oh, we have, perfect. So you can use that. So it was like initially realising not to get drawn into that emotional stuff, just literally just going, stop, okay. Mm -hmm. So yep. switch on now. And yep, because, because if, 
if you let your emotion explode, and, and they can be in there, you know, like we're human at the end of the day, we have emotions, we have feelings, but if we can, if we can control that in that conversation, it can bring the heat out. It's like sucking the heat out of the fire, as it were, and it, it sort of calms it down. And then you can talk about whatever it is that the person is upset about or um, in with the problem with. Because people will will want to vent. They'll want to share things. They'll want to, you know, tell you that they're not happy about something. That's going to happen, and it's quite normal. somebody's approaching you in this very childlike way or even parental way or whatever is it then just best just listening till they spit out everything they want and then saying okay yeah or is it then better to to, to to come from the very first moment with a neutral sometimes it yeah well it, if you just went someone calm down it's like that that's like that's, that's quite parental calm down will you so so (laughs) it's just thinking about how you do that um without sort of being you know like so so in that moment you might just say okay shall we sit down and talk about this yeah let's find a seat let's sit down um if you can get them if they're really a sort of sitting down is always a good thing you know like let's sit down because it's easier to be calm when you're sat than when you're up and going for it. Um, people, they're not likely to necessarily be quite that aggressive, although this person that was having a go at me was really quite, bless you, was really quite sort of, you know, when she was, she was at me, um, quite emotional, and um, she was kind of stood over me, and obviously height-wise, um, I could have, felt well I did feel slightly intimidated by her going on um, but sitting down helped me and it helped her at the time um, but it's always good to to just in that it just doesn't only takes a couple of moments but just to sort of like okay I'm not gonna emotionally react even though my emotions are inside and they're like screaming right now I'm gonna just be calm and you're obviously upset and I've done something to upset you so I'm going to try and find out what it is exactly you're upset about. Yes? Super like you said then, it's like you know, <clears throat> I asked that question about sort of like realising that there's a, something that's going on and then it's like when you change or interrupt that thing don't you like when you just said sort of let's have a sit down or let's have a cup of tea it sort of interrupts that sort mm-hmm. of process doesn't it yep. changing yep. the situation physically mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> and it's also it's also good to sort of say to them look i can see that you're upset and i want i want to help you work this through you know i do want to listen to what you've got to say um if they if they carry on going lightly say well i would like you to calm down please so that I, we can sit down and you can explain to me what it is that you're upset about. Do, do you know what I mean? It just depends on who it is and what's happening. But but if you can remain calm and think carefully about how you're responding and just, just hold that explosion that's going on on the inside, if you can hold it on the inside, then then it will just help 
the conversation to, to become um, at a level where negotiation can take place and you can share, you know, what's going on and why it's going on and what, what are we going to do about it. Paul, um, the Apostle, in, I love um, Corinthians. So the whole book of 1 Corinthians is Paul dealing with someone who he's not happy with or a group of people that he's not happy with. So something has taken place. He's the leader and he's got to address the problem. So at some point when you're in leadership, whether that's you're in leadership of your family, you're in leadership in a business or whatever you're leading, whether it's a church, business, community, family, at some point you will need to address with someone a problem, right? So, so we're just switching conversation slightly, going from someone coming to you with a problem with you having to approach someone about a problem. You with me? So, so Paul, um, well, first of all, he says that we're not to ignore problems. Um, he said to Titus, didn't he say, warn a divisive person once, then a second time, and after that have nothing to do with them. We read it the other day when we were doing the, the thing. So, so Paul's like, don't ignore problems, address them. You know, sit down, talk to them, warn them, deal with it before it becomes a big issue. Have you ever heard of the sandwich approach to communication? Is it good, uh, Pardon? Good, but saying something nice. Yeah. Yeah. Paul does it in Corinthians. I don't know if you've ever read 1 Corinthians, but, but he starts, he, the letter is so that he can address um, some pretty serious stuff that's going on. So, so there's sexual immorality, there's lawsuits, um, and divisions that Paul like really wants to address with the Corinthians. So that's essentially the main thrust of the, the bulk of the middle of the letter. But he starts the letter with the positive, right? He starts with the letter with how he sees that person in their good form, you know, how God sees them, how, you know, he sees the gold in them. So he actually starts the letter by calling them saints, dear saints. Now he's about to address <laughs> sexual immorality, divisions, lawsuits, and all the stuff that's going on that shouldn't be going on, but he still draws the gold out of them and he calls them holy ones. He says, guys, holy ones, how are you doing, kind of? So the first like few chapters, he's, He's just thanking them for being so great. He's, he's applauding them for the right things that they're doing. And he's just drawing the, you know, like he's drawing the gold out of them. He's, he's telling them how wonderful they are in the first four chapters of Corinthians. 
And then in chapters five to eight, that's when he starts to, to address the actual issue that he's not happy about. And then, and then in chapter 10, he begins to build them back up again. And then he goes back to talking about how amazing they are, how great they are. Um, and then he finishes his letter on love. And he's just like pouring his love into them. Okay, so, so even Paul uses the sandwich approach, which is when, if you're learning social work or whatever, you, you learn to, to communicate in that way. But Paul was doing it long before psychology came on the scene. So we're leading a company or we're leading a team of people or we're leading a church or whatever and there's someone that is just doing stuff that has to be addressed. How are we going to do that? What are we going to do about it? We can take the example of Paul and we can use the sandwich approach. And one of, one of the things that, that I think, before we, we just go into some practical tips, to remember is the whole thing of love. Okay. 1 John 4 verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. So we need to keep that in the back of our minds as well at all times is that we are people of love. And if we love the person who's irritating us, we, if we think about loving them, if we express our love, if we allow God's love to flow through us, it will be so much harder for us to wound them if we're loving them, if we're honouring them, if we're respecting them as a person. Okay, does that, are you with me on that? Okay, so even though they're causing problems and we've got to address the problem with them, we need to, before we do anything, we need to remind ourselves of how much God loves them. And, and we need to allow the love of God to flow through us to them, whatever we're doing, whoever it is. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to be a person of love. We're going to be a person of honour. And so before, before we actually bring them into the office or we take them out for coffee or take them for lunch or however it is we're going to, however we're going to address the issue with them, we need to just ask ourselves a few questions just so that we're clear in our head why we're doing this. Okay, so, so you know, what, what is... What is the reason that I need to speak to this person? What is the purpose of me giving them feedback for their behaviour? And then ask the question, what is my motive? Why do I actually want to do it? Is it because I'm angry and frustrated and wound up by them? Or is it because their behaviour is disrupting what needs to be done? in the process so so just if we just check your own motive because if the motive is for you to get back at them then that's going to be really difficult for you to remain calm and loving and honoring and it's going to be really difficult for you to help them change without wounding them 
So check your motive. And if, you, if you've got a problem with your motive, then talk to God about it and deal with your motive before you bring them into the office. You with me? Love is important. Because the sandwich approach doesn't really work if there's no love there. Because people will see straight through it. You know, like you, you bring out a few nice things about them, then you dive into the problem, and then you end with a few nice things. I've actually been on the end of that, and it hurts. And it's like, you can see you're trying the sandwich approach, but you're, wound, you're, like, you're, you're crushing me now. Last sentence, like, but it could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm feeling better now. <laughs> yeah, the leader's feeling great because they've got it all off the chest, and the, the person you like is like completely crushed. That's not the point of why we do things, or it shouldn't be the point. So we've checked our motive. If we've had a problem, we've talked to God about it. We've sorted out our hearts. We're allowing the love to flow, and we got honour in the back of our head. We thought about carefully why we're bringing them in, what is it that is the problem, and then we're going to bring them in and sit down and talk to them about it. Depending on who you are, depending on who they are, depending on the setting, that will depend on where you do it. Um, and you get to choose. You know, you can go out for coffee or you could bring them into the office or whatever. That is, in one sense, is incidental. So you, you sit down with them and, yeah, do the sandwich approach. You know, thank them for the good that they've done. Thank them for their, their contribution to whatever it is that, you know, the company just really appreciate you coming to work every day and all the work that you do, we really appreciate you, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> I love you, you're cool, blah, blah, blah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Don't forget the blah, blah, blah bit. It, it works really well. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, and then you just begin to address the issue, okay? So you want to explain to them specifically what it is that's the problem, right? So you don't just say something like, you know what, you're just such a nuisance. You know, you're just driving everybody crazy and this has got to stop. They're like, what? <laughs> right, you need to describe the problem to them. Because sometimes... In life, we do stuff and we have no clue that we're causing problems for people because we, we're oblivious to it. We're, we're blind to the fact that our behaviour is causing an issue, right? Uh, we, we don't intend. A lot of the time, people, when people do things, they're not maliciously setting out to hurt people. They're just doing it because they don't realise that it's hurting people. So if you can describe to them, this is the behaviour that has been witnessed. This is what I've seen you doing, or this is the behaviour that I've been told about. And this is the effect of the behaviour. And give them examples of when they've done it and how they did it, and what you observed, right? Give them examples of how that behaviour either affects you as a person or affects the other members of the team. Try to 
separate out their behavior from who they are. So, you know, if they do something stupid, don't say you are such a stupid person. You can say, you know, that action that you did was really unwise. It was stupid. But, but it's the action that's stupid, not the person. Because that, just that, that, just altering that sentence slightly takes it away from you're stupid. It stops you from pulling them down. It's like what you did was not good. Yes, Jonas. About a third person. If, if person A is coming to me and saying person B is really hurting how she, how he or she is behaving, wouldn't it then be better to get a three person instead of saying, I think that person A is feeling and is insulted by the way you do it, but I don't know exactly because I. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And and as a leader, that would be your call. That would be something that you would decide. Do I bring the other person in or do I speak to them privately first? Or And you would just need to make a, a wisdom decision on that. And, and you get to choose as the leader. Do you bring them both in? Because it, it, it really just obviously depends on the circumstance and whether it is just two people that are having the problem or whether that person's annoying everybody in the team or or whatever it is it, it really doesn't it really like uh, depends on what's what's happening really but yeah as a leader you get to choose how you go about doing this i'm just giving you thoughts for you to think about before you jump into doing something yeah but because i was just just wondering whether if i give this person examples that actually don't offend me but other people members it might be not authentic mm -hmm. because then you all because then if the person that starts asking you are you offended by how I behave and you have honestly to say no actually I'm not bothered at all but person takes what I said is mm -hmm. I think it's going to create a strange maybe if you if you use statements like I believe, I have observed, I feel that you are, or I'm, I'm, you know, I believe that this is how, then, then you're owning your opinion. So, so it's like, this is my opinion. This is what I've observed. I've watched you speak to that person like that. I've seen their reaction. And this is my opinion of what's happened. Okay. So, so you own what you think. Be willing to say, this is my opinion, this is what I think. And be willing to, to stand up and sort of say, you know what, I think this. I believe that what you said to that person has hurt her. I saw her reaction. Or she did mention something to me or whatever, you know, like, again, it depends on what it is. But I, I do see what you're saying, it, you know, you, you've got to have wisdom. And you've got to, you know, what I'm saying and what I'm talking about today are just giving you thoughts so that as leaders you don't just dive into conflict without thinking it through. Are you about to say something? I'm just thinking <clears throat> I, I could be a bloke and they could be women and I've got no idea at all what on earth is going on. But there is a lot of things going on there and it doesn't... <clears throat> and at the end, can't because I could have like 
one female and another one, and I'm totally unaware of the man, of any of these female things going on between two females. And I've got to realise that I might not, there could be some like, might not really be going on, be going on, but there could be a lot of tensions there. And I've seen it from that perspective, although I'm not, I don't not quite understand what's going on. But uh, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Sometimes we just might not just realise we might not understand what's going on in two other different types of people. Mm -hmm. uh, not being all clinical psychologists, but you just have to be aware of that as well, don't you? Absolutely, and that, that is part of the process, it's on my list, is, is find out, you know, what, what is their perspective as well. So, you know, like, the, the, the conversation that you're going to have with this person isn't going to be all you talking to them. You're going to give them opportunity to talk back and to to explain and, and to share and to get their perspective as well. So, so you, you're going to honour them. You're going to listen to them. I mean, if you've just met, said there about, you know, I'm a bloke and if it was a woman, again, it depends on the setting because if you're the boss of the company or you're the head of the team, then, you know, like you, you have... But if you felt uneasy or if you felt there was an issue, you could always bring a colleague in with you and just have them there if you felt it necessary. Again, as a leader, you would need to bring a wisdom call on that. Yeah, I think it, well, it could be wise just to say, okay, if you have a problem with this person, this problem, maybe it'd be better just you talk and then me sit and observe and, and get in, in if it's got to get hot and whatever. Maybe this is an option as well, just being a mediator or whatever you call it. Okay. Uh, yep, so so if if you know that you need change from a person, so something some like you you really as a leader need them to change a particular behaviour, whatever it is. So to stop like swearing in the office or to stop being whatever you know like you want a particular change let them know what change you want so give them constructive feedback about the behavior but also give them examples of how they could do it differently which is why you need to have thought carefully before you go into the conversation about what it is you you want to address and why you want to address it So, so if you're asking for specific change, you need to be very clear about what the change is that you want and, and make sure that they understand what you're saying. You know, we started off with those, drawing those pictures. This is where communication is really important. You know, we're having this conversation. I'm listening to, you know, I've got feedback from you, but I do need this, these things to change. Do you understand what I'm saying? how, you know, like, I just make sure that they've understood. If it's a big issue, <laughs> then spell out the consequences of them not changing. 
in his letter to the Corinthians, Paul was quite, um, quite specific about the consequence of the guy not changing. He's like, uh, okay, no repentance, kick him out. Basically, he's like, this can't carry on. So he either changes or he leaves, was Paul's, like, how he dealt with it. That was a big issue, serious issue. Um, but you need to spell out the consequences. So, you know, that you're working in a team, person's late every day. The consequences, that there are going to be consequences to that, or that they're just not pulling the weight. You know, like, at the end of the day, it's going to lead to a disciplinary potential... Um, what's the word? Uh, sacking. You know, like, what's the official word? Dismissal. Dismissal, thank you, yeah. But in all of that, remember <laughs> love. Remember love. Okay. I mean, as as a leader, I've been I've been a leader for a while. I've led certain groups and things, and I've really, honestly, only had one major issue where I've had to sit down. You know, like I really address something with someone. Most of the time. One, you know, we, we, we talked about um, setting the, the scene, level one to level two to level three of leadership. Do you remember that? And we were talking about the relationship and being vulnerable and open and creating an atmosphere of honour and respect and love. If we have that atmosphere, you're unlikely to get to the point where you have to be really harsh with someone. Because you can nip things, as you, there's a saying in English, you nip things in the bud, right? So before they flower, you take the bud off, okay? Um, but I just wanted to just talk about that because sometimes there will be conflict and as leaders, we need to deal with it. And just remember honour. Honouring the person that's... I know I've said I keep coming back to that. I've got a few minutes left. I want to finish um, by reading a little story from um, of David. And while I'm while I'm reading it, I want you to just have in the back of your mind the communication that he has with this woman. So it is uh, 1 Samuel 25. Um, And, oh, it doesn't give... Yes. I'll just read the whole chapter because it doesn't give chapter um, numbers. It doesn't give the verse numbers on this for some reason. So now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled to mourn him, and they buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David moved down to the desert of Param. A certain man um, in Moan, who had a property there at Carmel, was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife was Abigail. 
She was intelligent and beautiful, but her husband was surely a mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. While David was in the wilderness, you're with me. You're not. You're not sleeping. Okay, good. Right. <laughs> David was in the wilderness. He heard that Nabal was she- shearing sheep, so he sent ten men and said to them, "Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long lived, long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them." The whole time that we were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your servants and they will tell you. Therefore, be favourable toward my men. Since we come at festival time, please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. Then they waited. Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? My servants breaking away from their masters. Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take bread and water and meat I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to the men coming from who knows where? David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived and reported every word to David, David said to his men, Each of you, Strap on your sword. So they did. And David strapped on his sword as well. About 400 men went up with David while 200 stayed with the supplies. So David's not very happy. Okay. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messages from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us, the whole, and the whole time that we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day they were a wall around us, the whole time we were herding the sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do, because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seers of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisin, two hundred cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on the donkey. That will have taken some time to prepare. <laughs> it's like she acted quickly, you know, and two hundred cakes. Um, then she told her servants, go on ahead, I will follow you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. As she came riding on her donkey to the mountain ravine where David and his men were descending towards her, she met them. David had just said, It's been useless, all my watching over these fellows' property in the wilderness so that nothing was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male or of all who belong to him. So, so David's going to like really go for him when he gets there. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my lord, and let me speak to you. 
Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my lord, to the wicked man Nabal. He is just like his name. This means fool. And folly goes with him. As for me, your servant, I did not see the men the Lord sent. And now, my Lord, surely as the Lord your God lives, and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemy and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. And let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in a bundle of living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies will be hurled away from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord is fulfilled for my, my Lord, every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord's success, remember your servant. Abigail, David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and from keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging me myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would be left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her what she had brought him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. When Abigail went to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet. Like the king of the like king, he was in high spirits and very drunk, so she did nothing till daybreak. When the morning in the morning Nabal was sober. His wife told him all these things and his heart failed and he became like stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise be to the Lord who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and brought Nabal's wrongdoing down to his own head. When Dave, then David sent for Abigail asking him her to become his wife. I just, I, I love that story. But if you think about, you know, the whole sandwich approach thing, she used that. She started by telling and reminding David who he was and what, where he's coming from and where he's going. And then she, she challenged him not to continue what he was about to do. I just, I just love that story. I mean, actually, she, yeah, I mean, she actually prophesies, prophesies over him, doesn't she? But she, she drew the gold out of him. She reminded him of who he is and what he was capable of doing and his journey and where he was going. Rather than just 
diving into the problem. You can't come and kill the, you know, you can't shed bloodshed for no good reason. You know, you can't just come here and kill my family. That's not good. That's not right. That's evil. She didn't start with that. She reminded David of who he was, where he was heading, where he was going. And then she said, don't, don't take this bloodshed. And David listened. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.